The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the weekend kickoff for, uh, what are we, week 11 here. The Browns are playing the Bills on Sunday, and uh, we just found out today that it's going to be in Detroit, not Buffalo. Uh, Joining me to discuss that and uh, other matters of uh, meteorological and uh, football importance is uh, my good buddy, Cody. How are you doing, Cody Sweck? What's up, man? It's hard. Week 11, like, it's kind of caught me by surprise when you said it doesn't feel like week 11. Mm -hmm. It's crazy how fast this season goes in the the meteor, meteorological happenings, I think, were pretty much of utmost importance yeah. coming today, and we saw the impact that had um, on the game. And uh, be interesting to see how that turns out, um, impacting the Browns, impacting the Bills, and, and how the mm-hmm. game goes. Uh, but we'll get to that. But glad to yeah. be here for another Thursday. Yeah. Um, Thank you for joining me. Uh, yeah. I, the, the, to your first point, I would just say that time flies when uh, your favorite football team is. Uh, dramatically underperforming their expectations you know just <laughs> weeks just keep rolling right i mean uh, yeah. we, we we sat here last week and talked about the second half of the season and what it looked like uh you know coming into a game against the dolphins that the browns absolutely had to have and of course if you're joining us uh, you know that the the browns went down to miami and laid a big uh, stinky gator egg you know they absolutely uh uh i mean pooped down their legs for lack of a better term and um in the in the process, I think you know at least from my where I sit, uh, kind of ruined any expectations I had for the rest of the season. I, I you know my my long term view at this point is that it's pretty much we're we're looking at twenty three now, right? Yeah, that's pretty much how I felt. Like at the end of the Patriots game, you had some feelings. End of some other games, you had some feelings. Be like, okay, there's there's this window of time they could still get to that five and six measurement that we thought they could get to, but now. After that game, with the way they lost that game, with the way they just seemed completely underprepared, uh, there was no that the effort was lacking, uh, the preparation yeah. on defense especially was lacking. They didn't mm-hmm. get two best receivers in football didn't need to use them. I said, nah, Mike McDaniel said, just leave those guys out there. We're gonna run the ball down your throats for six yards right. of carry and something ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, outside of victories these next two weeks, which are extremely highly doubtful, especially yeah. now the Buffaloes moved into a dome. That benefits mm-hmm. them more so than it does for the Browns with that passing attack. Uh, yeah, I think they're playing towards 2023, and that's something remarkable happens this week and next week. And that Tampa Bay offense, Tampa Bay team, it kind of seems to find their stride a little bit, not quite to that level. I think everybody thought they were going to be preseason, but they're definitely performing better than they did in the first uh, five, six games where everybody's kind of writing them yeah. off as, as a completely lackluster football team. But, uh, yeah, these even if you get one – in four and seven, I, I mean, you're still you're still banking on even at four and right. seven uh, of a guy coming in and, and going six and one uh, over the right. over the stretch, which I which I, would that be six and one, five and one, five and one, five and one, five over and that one or six and zero, oh. yeah. yeah, yeah, but that's which which is a completely unreasonable take in my opinion. So so yeah, they're yeah, playing for twenty twenty three this way and playing really playing to finish out and get some momentum towards twenty twenty three and making sure that that two hundred fifty million dollar investment is going to pay off. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. You know, I think, um, 
I mean, to your point about Tampa Bay, I mean, we, we, we all know how we feel about Buffalo. This is, this has been the game on the schedule that everybody's been kind of putting an L next to since, you know, the beginning of August. Um, uh, it's, it, you know, arguably, is it easier than playing a home game in Buffalo in good weather conditions? Yes. Is it worse than playing a, a game in Buffalo under, um, adverse weather conditions? I also think that's true. Um, to your point, though, about Tampa Bay, this is a team, Tampa Bay, that wants to run the ball and wants to get their running game fixed. Uh, well, <laughs> let me recommend playing a game against the 2022 Cleveland Browns, because as you uh, uh, very uh, notably uh, posted on Twitter yesterday, this is the worst run defense since, uh, what did you say, 2010, at least, in the, yeah, in we, the league. Yeah, we figured out, I got back to 2010, and then co-OBR analytics writer Anthony Reinhardt was able to deduce that it goes all the way back to 2005. This defense has allowed the most EPA per rush in 17 seasons. 17 yeah. seasons. We've seen some bad Browns teams over yeah. that time frame. We've seen yeah. some bad football teams over sure. that time frame. And the Browns Unless aren't Lions a, team. Yeah. And the Browns aren't a bad football team right now. But that rush defense is historically bad. Uh, we, we, I think we kind of came up because we were talking in Slack and via Twitter and just generally all brands, analysts and fans have been talking about how bad it's been. I think mm-hmm. that gave it some real context as to the historically historically low level of performance by that defense. And then you go into this, I mean, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves, but it's just that gave the script. Arthur Smith set the script to yeah. beat this Browns team in the second half of that Falcons game. The Browns yeah. in that first half, Falcons weren't doing anything. I mean, they played yep. – the Browns have got a great defensive performance. The only reason the Falcons were in that game was because of a, a turnover and a couple of fluke plays there. But then he's like, no, nah, man, we're going to run it now. And they're going to mm-hmm. run it with guys that nobody's ever heard of. And they're going to get eight yards of carry. And that's exactly yep. what they did. So that yep. script is out there. The game plan yep. is out there of how to beat this Browns team. Um, and, and it's terrifying to think of that there's nothing, I think, that makes my heart feel warm about the rest of the season from the run defense perspective because nothing has been adjusted or no yeah. personnel has been added to do such a thing. So oh, I think funny the you bed, should mention adding personnel, the, Cody. Yeah, the, the the bed's been made, so to speak, for the rest of the season from a run defense perspective. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I, and that is a good segue because you and I, but really more me and Mike, but but <laughs> I've, I've been willing to argue with anybody that shows up that uh, – that you can absolutely lay a lot of this at the feet of Andrew Barry, because, you know, to your point that that Falcons game was week four, that was October 2nd. So we're talking about six weeks ago at this point. And, and, and as you said, at that point, the book is out on how to beat this team and they haven't adjusted. That was week four. This is week 11. They will be running out the same defensive tackles uh, to play the bills that they ran out to play the Falcons it's the same team. It's the same crew. And so you can say in that Falcons game, well, Miles Garrett wasn't playing. Jadevian Clowney wasn't playing. Sure, that's fine. And a lot of the Falcons' success came, you know, on, on those edges and exploiting the lack of those two dominant uh, defensive ends. But the the overall point that the, the Browns have Jordan Elliott, uh, Tommy Togiai, and Perion Winfrey, all three of whom are out of, what, 140 qualifiers in the very comfortably in the bottom quartile of run defenders at defensive tackle. Out of 140 players in the NFL, they're all very near the bottom. I, Togiai and Elliott are at the bottom or, or thereabouts. They're within touching distance. 
and they haven't replaced any of those players, um, and 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 we're in week eleven. That is, uh, I think, a very fair criticism that can be leveled at the front office, the organization, for not acting with urgency to address a, a situation of of great need that was pretty obvious from fairly early on in the season. And that was kind of the drum I was banging this week because uh, Tyler Davison, who was on the practice squad, and look, I'm not saying he's uh, the next Aaron Donald here, but I'm saying that he was a player that they brought in after that Falcons game to try and address some of these issues, never once got called up, and now has walked. He's on the Chargers uh, roster now. They 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 took him. Uh, they signed a, a guy from, from uh, the Dolphins practice squad that I've never heard of this week, and so maybe we'll see him. When, you know, there's been other players involved a little bit, but they haven't done anything significant to address this issue. And we knew back in week three, week four, that it was a significant issue. And I think that problem has, you know, there are other issues with this defense and with this team, no question. But that problem I think you can lay that pretty much 100% at the feet of Andrew Barry. Yeah, I, I think you have a strong argument in, in, in that case. It, it that, that room became a let's throw bodies at it type thing. Let's throw quantity over quality right. and hope that one of those guys hits. Like a Taven Bryan, former first-round pick, hasn't really yep. performed at the NFL level. Let's throw him in the mix, see what he can do. Maybe Jordan Elliott takes that next step, see what he can do. A like Jeff Winfrey, nothing disciplinary issues. Togi hasn't done anything at the NFL level. So it's just, I don't think the hubris is that strong that it was a, a, a situation where you're not willing to admit that you were wrong. I think it yeah. became, I think it became a situation where it went way worse than was expected, I think is a totally. type situation. And then nothing's been done since then to fix that situation. Just like you said. Now, I think to backtrack a little bit, um, it doesn't mean that there hasn't been interest with certain players that they've tried to get certain players. There has sure. to be a mutual interest for those guys to come here. But I think it's disappointing because you think this team, I mean, they've pretty much said it, that they were trying to tread water, get by and be in the race for Watson to come in. Now you go into a season a couple of weeks in, you, it's, it's glaringly obvious that that situation, right. that room was completely lackluster and wasn't ready to live up to the expectations of this defense. And like you said, they're still trotting out that same person every week. I know there's there's bottom of the roster type churning happen with practice squad guys coming in, getting moved around and stuff. But nobody came in that was a known player at the position that could make a difference. So I 100% agree with you in that case. I just don't know if – I'm assuming that they've been trying to do something. It just seems like nothing has happened at this point. And it's disappointing. I think that I think it's disappointing for guys like Miles Garrett. I think it's disappointing for other guys out there that are – really in their prime and trying to win some football games right now when that defensive tackle room has been very detrimental. They're not the only piece to blame. I mean, that secondary has been abysmal at times this season too, but they are the Mm -hmm. key weakness of this team right now. Um, And that is known at this point, I think across the NFL, when anybody puts on that film, if you're a, you're offensive coordinator, you're, you are just drooling at the opportunity to run against this defense Right. right now. I think that's a great point. And, uh, you know, the, the the Browns' next two opponents, the Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have both struggled to run it all year. I would expect that both of those offenses are in their meeting room saying, this is the week we get right. You know, and, and all of a sudden this week we're going to see James Cook pop a few. We're going to see, you know, Naheem Hines get involved. Yeah, next week yeah. we're going to see Leonard Fournette running it right down their throat. You know, it's good. And, and, and as I said, the Browns are now – 
look, this is a team that had, uh, I mean, perhaps not legitimate uh, playoff hopes given the quarterback situation, but you know, those of us that were fans thought that they would be in the mix through the end of the season. They're now a get right team for other teams in the NFL. And I think from a self-respect standpoint, from a, where did we want this team to be at the end of the season standpoint, that's bitterly disappointing to be the team that now other teams are excited to play because they know they've got an easy one where you can run basic stuff right at them. And, and, you know, Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togi are going to be five yards downfield. They're going to be in the laps of the edge defender. They're going to be, you know, in the laps of the linebacker. They're not going to be doing their job. And so it's very easy for the offense to do their job. Yeah. It's funny. Okay. The bills have the third highest early down pass rate in the first, fourth highest early down EPA per drop back. But I don't expect them to throw that ball that much. I mean, I, I know that I think they're the ninth heaviest passing mm-hmm. team overall. It's about a 62 to 38 split pass to run. I expect that to come back way closer to 50-50, regardless of, of um, the score in this game. Because you just see a weakness, and what do the good coaches do and good coordinators do? They expose the other team's weakness while doing what you do okay. You know, we saw who... Was it uh, the Dolphins hadn't been running the ball well, ran right. it like crazy. You Easy. see it every week. These teams that just have don't have a run game come in and just destroy this Browns defense every week. The Bengals haven't had a run game either. And Joe Mixon right. had a good game. So it's, yep. it's, it's, it's not enjoyable to watch. And I think it's gone way worse than what was expected um, on the preseason. Probably for AB, Deep Podesta, and Stefanski and Woods. I think they all didn't think it was going to be this bad on that interior. Yeah, and I would I, one more thing, and we'll move on from this because it is, you know, it is what it is, and they've made the decisions they've made. But it does feel a little bit to me like when the Guardians stood pat at the trade deadline in July, and it felt like if they added one more bat, they could really give themselves a much easier path uh, to the postseason and then through the postseason. And they stood pat. It feels a little bit like that, right? Where it's like there are options here. I mean. My my point is essentially that a player like Tom, Tommy Togiai, who was a fourth round draft pick last year, and has shown nothing in in almost two full seasons now, that is not an asset anymore. At this point, he is not valuable. So like you you can pretend if you want to carry water for this front office that drafting a defensive tackle in the fourth round and having him for four years will save them money and it will be you know that's you got to build through the draft all this stuff, but that. That's not a player that can play in the NFL, and I don't mean to be cruel to him, but the, what we're seeing on tape tells the story. At that point, once that asset no longer has value, you got to move on. You have to you have to recognize that as a sunk cost, and now the job of the front office is to find somebody who is available for the same price or less. You know, that's available for free that can come in and do a better job. And the chances are that those players are available given that he is one of the worst in the league. That's my gripe is that they're sitting there doing nothing when it truly is a situation where doing anything is actually preferable because you're moving away from one of the worst players in the league. The chances are you will improve the position by moving on. Yeah. I mean, that whole group, I could maybe see Jordan Elliott coming back as being the only one. He was a draft pick. And you wrote an article about that today. You you wrote an article about the the defensive overhaul that is coming, because we know it's coming now. I mean, at this point, you know, we're into the second half of the season. They haven't improved. They are going to have to shift quite a bit of personnel to improve this defense for next year. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's almost almost a near overhaul. Um, mm-hmm. you, you have your core five six guys, but after that, there's nobody on this team that, that you think should be on this team that they've underperformed, underachieved, or they're just not that good at football players that are on the team. It's nothing to them that it's not starter caliber starter caliber players that happen to be starting on this defense right now. Yeah. Well, I see a lot of people in the comments talking about the salary cap situation and and what that looks like and and how extra how much extra cap they they have. Obviously, they're going to roll all of that in next year to to help with their cap situation next year because of the Watson contract and what that means for the rest of their cap. You know, and I think it's a it's a fair question that uh, that that Kevin Cycle is asking that they they looked at this season and said we don't have a quarterback until the last six games of the year. And, and from a financial perspective, we need to roll as much of that into next year as possible. And that's, you know, that's likely. I mean, I think to your point, Cody, also a player like Ndamukong and Sue is not going to come here. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. When the Browns are three and six, or going back a month when they were two and four, he doesn't want to do that. He's you know he signed with the Eagles today because they're eight and one, and they're ready to go win a Super Bowl. And so he he's looking to get a cheap ring. He's looking to play. He's looking to play a half season, show up for twenty snaps a game, do a dance in the backfield once a game, (laughs) and then and then play four meaningful games in in January. Right. That's what he's looking. There are three, I guess, for the for the Eagles. They're looking to play the minimum number of snaps and the maximum amount of glory. And that's, look, I'm not blaming him. That's totally understandable. Football is an incredibly difficult sport physically, but he's not looking to play for a team that's two and four. And I think that, you know, that, that was never really an option. My point with all of this has been, there's somebody out there that's just looking for a workout. That's better yeah. than what Elliot or Togia has, has shown. And that's been my argument. And I thought Taylor, Tyler Davidson was maybe that guy. And then he walked out the door. So you can say maybe he didn't show anything in practice, but I don't know. At this point, I'm 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 pretty disillusioned about the whole thing. And like I said, we can move on. Let's talk. Let's talk about this game because you know the 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 Bengal or <laughs> the Bills are are nine and a half point favorites now. Is that right? You 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 said in Slack that you got in on this a little bit earlier. You 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 are. I I and I I think I probably take credit for this because we talk about the lines a little bit on this this show and we talk about gambling a little bit. And Cody says now he's. He's starting to dabble a little bit in the in the gambling in the gambling world. You 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 got the 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 Bills minus what eight 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 and a half eight and a half. Yeah, and I only okay. I, I only do it if I feel confident. Last week I was confident in three. I hit the three team parlay. It was the Dolphins. It oh. was the it was the Dolphins. It was the Steelers, and it was the Vikings. I had confidence in all three of those. Hit those three. Um, those lines you just parlayed those three. Yeah, just those three just didn't make. They were like twenty dollar bet. I think it paid out like two. 
two twelve or something on twenty or something like that. That's a but, very impressive. But I can't. How did you not brag about that in Slack at all? I'm, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a humble guy. That's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a ten to one winner. Your first time out. That's amazing. Felt only one I placed this whole season. That was the one. I felt good. I looked at that and I was like, well, these don't even make sense to me. And like the, the, none of those three. I think the Steelers were like minus one. The, right. The, the Dolphins were plus three and a half. And the Vikings were something ridiculous, too. I was like, they, they were. Yeah, they, I think they were getting like seven and a half. Yeah. So like, you, par- no you you parlayed the spreads, not the money line. Spreads. No, yeah. No money, okay. no money okay. line, but the spreads. Okay. okay. Uh, but yeah. That, Still that, very that, impressive. It worked out, you know. It'll never happen again, you know. <laughs> you know, but uh, but yeah, that that the line. I don't. Is it up to nine and a half now? From the eight and a half. Well, that's what I saw was when it reopened with the new with the change of venue. Uh, when it when it reopened with the change of venue, it was nine and a half, and uh, the total jumped all the way up to forty nine because there's not going to be weather now because they're they're indoors. So yeah. That so the Bills are pretty heavy favorites, um, and uh, rightfully so. They're a good football team, and they are coming off of two losses, as as we know. And so they are going to be looking for that get-on-track type game. And so, you know, I think Browns fans are right to be scared of what this offense is going to do to the uh, Browns defense. Yeah, I think they're the fourth-best EPA offense, fourth, fifth, or sixth, the top six in EPA per play. And really, if you look at those past couple games – the reason they haven't won is because Josh Allen's third. I think it's four interceptions in the red zone. Mm. So you, you take away two. I mean, we're, we're playing picky choosy here. Right. That's typically not what he does. And if he makes those plays, he usually does in that red zone. I mean, they're they're, they're going to win one or two of those games. Yeah. And they're still he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They're still one of the best football teams in the league. The Browns don't get takeaways. So I mean, right. even even if he's out there third, I mean, they're having trouble. With fumble luck, they're having trouble uh, creating uh, turnovers through the air. So it's uh, it's an uphill battle. I mean, it's every anybody can beat anybody. I still believe that. I think any. I think the Jaguars could walk into Kansas City and win. I think it's just weird NFL season this sure. year. Absolutely, the chances might be slim or, or slim to none, but it can happen. The Browns can win this game. I don't think they will. I think mm. it'll be close to that nine to ten point victory for the Bills, especially when you're playing on turf. Uh but yeah, well. well We'll see what they're able to come up with, but I, th- I think everybody has low expectations at this point, especially yeah. since they moved it from, from from the three feet of snow. Right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about that for a second. You know, I, I think it had to be moved, right? Because the the weather situation in Buffalo is legitimately dangerous, right? For people even trying to get to the game, people working at the stadium. Right. You know, there's 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 what hundreds, if not thousands, of people that work these games, and they don't get paid that much. And so, if you're working a concession stand but you need the money to pay rent or whatever. And you've got to decide between your personal safety and driving, you know, 16, 20 miles in, in two feet of snow. It's, it's a no win situation. So, you know, I mean, obviously now that I guess those people aren't going to even get a paycheck because there's no game to work, but uh, it's a, it's, you know, it's a difficult situation and you, you hate to see it. I mean, I think in, in my mind, you know, the fan at home wants to see the snow on the TV and Nick Chubb, rumbling through you know with 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 chunks of snow churning up behind them as the browns dominate the bills on the ground for 300 yards and win win a game you know six to three or whatever but but in reality what probably would have happened if they were having the game is that uh, this field would have been okay but uh, nobody would have been there because nobody could get to the same so um you know it sounds like like it's not really getting 
yeah, exactly. The, the snow's yeah. not going to really be falling by the time Sunday rolls around. It's it's more about what happens tomorrow and Saturday. So, um, they had to move it, and obviously it, it favors the uh, the the Bills to be in in an indoor stadium, um, because they have such an effective passing game and and play a a very aggressive brand of football and and don't really rely on the run that much. But as as I said before, they also probably can run it on this Browns team because everybody can. So. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame that we're not going to get the sort of snowball that we all thought we were going to get, but I also think, you know, for the safety of people, when we're talking about an emergency, a genuine emergency, they kind of had to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. I think you hit, you you hit it. It, it, It's, it's just, it was the process of getting to the game, you know, okay. Sunday is not, it's not snowed at all. Yeah. But you still have three feet outside or or whatever the total is going to end up being. We still have the Browns to have to get to the game. The fans to have to get to the game. The workers to have to get to the game. There's there's everything that leads up to a game. All that production that has to happen to make a game happen. Right. Um, so I think that was the biggest part. It was the hundred percent the right call to move the game for safety mm-hmm. purposes for everybody's best interest at heart. Uh, but the move to Detroit, which would be kind of cool. Uh, it's better for Browns to be in Detroit. You're only two hours from Cleveland. Uh, right. Started with a whole new. Unless you had tickets to the game, you're starting with a whole new slate of tickets that people could go to supposedly they're at a cheaper value than normal games. I don't know what that means. If it's 10% cheaper than face value, whatever Ticketmaster's 948% markup on fees right, is. Right, uh, right. That's Hey, I always use TickPick, by the way, because the fees are built into the tickets when you look at them. I always like that. Um, not sponsored, not sponsored, yeah, but there you go, TickPick. Uh, but yeah, uh, it'll be, it'll be kind of cool. Play the dome. Whatever, no weather impact. You know, that's, that's a future in Cleveland, right? Right. <laughs> Retractable yeah. roof or a dome or that's something. Right. That's the hope, at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the future. It's the future of the NFL. You mm-hmm. know, for better or for worse. I mean, that the the reality is is that these teams, there's more money to be made indoors. So that's where we're all sure. headed. Um, as disappointing as that is. Uh, yeah. I and Paul's got a great point. The Browns, uh, historically very good on lava. Uh, they are, I think, four and 5 and zero all time playing on at the mouth of an open volcano. So yeah, Brown's very good with lava. <laughs> Paul's right to point that out. He's, you know, he's a numbers guy, Paul at heart. As long um, as it's not Pompeii, I think they'll be okay. Yeah. that well, that's the key is you want to avoid that pyroclastic flow. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, we, we, we don't feel great about the game and you know, it is what it is. Uh, the, the Browns are playing one of the best teams in the league and they're not playing particularly well, at least last week uh, in Miami, they didn't play that well. Um, let's, let's talk about a few other big picture things. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson returned to practice this week, um, off of coming off of his suspension. He's getting ready to, to make his debut in what is essentially now two weeks. Uh, he will be, he'll be playing for the Browns in, in Houston in just over two weeks time. Um, and, and I think, you know, as I said before, it is kind of the main thing now for Browns fans to look forward to because, you know, we're now eight months removed from the Browns making that trade. And I still remember very clearly the feeling that I had uh, when that trade went through and, and, you know, (laughs) the mixed emotions, right. Of excitement at what this player could do in this offense and trepidation uh, knowing the extensive uh, legal hurdles that stood between where we were in March and getting to the actual season and, and how much would he play and those sorts of things. And so we're, we're almost now to the end of that part of the, the conversation. And, 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 and now we will finally get to see the reason why the Browns made this, this decision. Um, 
as much as it is disappointing that they might probably will not be in a position to compete this year, it is exciting to get to see a player of his caliber soon put on the orange and brown and play for the Browns. Fred said it. Fred has been around this team for decades. And he said on Monday, our Monday Rewind show with Keith, that uh, he's the best quarterback he's ever seen in person at a Browns practice. I don't think that's hyperbole. We, we, we watched this guy play for Houston a few years ago, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in football. That's he right. can throw the ball downfield. He can make explosive plays with his legs. He's accurate with the football. He's, he's just exactly what you want on the on the field in a modern-day quarterback. And Fred said another thing I'm going to touch on again. He's Lamar Jackson, but he can throw really well, extremely well. I mean, if he did two years ago. I'm going to say that. Caveat that that's how he was before. Yep. I think he'll come back to a pretty close level of that. I'm, I'm at least I'm hoping so. And it does bring a ton of excitement to this football team because it, it, let's say right now it's three and six and this Jacoby is your quarterback done a phenomenal job with his, really his skill set. But really it's three and, if you're three and six right now, Browns fans are going to start to lose interest every single week when you see this team just comp- yeah. get lose to Buffalo. You're going to see him lose, most likely lose to Tampa and you're sitting at three and eight. I mean, what's, what's there to look forward to? You're already looking forward to the draft without a draft pick. You're looking forward to free agency, with, you know, and all those type of things. But now, with no money, with no money <laughs> but now with him coming back yeah. and playing those last six games, there's an excitement around those games. There should be an excitement around those games. And that's building towards the future. That's building towards yeah. 2023. That's building towards bringing free agents to the Browns. That's why Clowney came back because he wanted to play with Deshaun. That's why other players receivers would want to come here if they see him come in and be the player he was before. Like, okay, I'm going to get my targets in Cleveland. I'm going to play an explosive offense in Cleveland. I want to play there with Amari Cooper, DPJ, and Joku, and Chubb, and all those guys, and Watson. So it, it, it's a very exciting time on the field for those six games to come. Um, I think only two of them are actually at home over that stretch. Uh, so the fans will get to see him in person that much. But, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people obviously – had those six games circled on their calendars before the season. Yeah. I think you make a great point about, um, you know, the, the, the excitement and, and it, it starts to feel like another opener, you know, um, we had the opener in, in September against the Panthers and that was very exciting, but the game against Houston will feel like a second season opener in my mind uh, because it's, it's a, it's the unknown again. You're you're stepping out into the unknown. It, in and, you know, as I as I said before, you know the the there will be an immense amount of of pressure on Deshaun Watson to deliver in those six games, and and for the Browns more generally uh, to deliver in those six games because, you know, if they are truly going to be three and eight, uh, that's a that's a very bad record, uh, and if they you know, go three and three down the stretch. I mean, six and 11 is a bad, bad football team. So they kind of have to be a different team all of a sudden when he shows up and that's a lot of pressure. And so not, not to mention the, the very specific pressure that he's going to be under given everything that has transpired. Um, we we've meant, we've talked about before how difficult his road is going to be on, on, on these, away games uh and you know deservedly so he's put himself in a very precarious position where fans have every right to to express their opinion and they will uh very vocally so um it's 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 going to be an absolutely fascinating six games and it does kind of turn the normal formula on its head where 
we have talked openly in Slack about, you know, by the fourth quarter in Miami, I was watching that Bills Vikings game. Like I oh, didn't yeah. spend I didn't spend a second wondering what the Browns were doing in that fourth quarter because I knew. I knew the answer. Uh and and typically as this season rolls on, even though we cover the team, we would still you still look for those opportunities to enjoy yourself because football is fun. Uh and sometimes and, and <laughs> football can be fun there we football go. has yeah. the potential to be enjoyable <laughs> if you don't root for a team that constantly disappoints you but I think that, yeah. that the Watson situation opens the door to these last six games being meaningful and I think it will be interesting to see that piece of it I, I like something you said in that it's it really is two seasons it's mm-hmm. two completely different seasons you, you have your 11 and you have, you have your set of 11 and you have your set of 6 I think you got to go four and two in that set of six. I think you got to go a convincing four and two over those six games too. And I think that's very possible. Uh, they have Cincy in there. Cincy, the Saints, the the Ravens, the Steelers. There's some games in there that they, they can and should win uh, as long as everything goes um, as planned. But we'll see. You know, it is exciting. I mean, you could say yep. it over and over again that that it is, and you're going to see what happens with with this investment and see what he can be on the field because we haven't seen a player like that in my lifetime on the Browns. We've seen some decent quarterbacks, your Derek Andersons, uh, your Tim Couches, your uh, Derek Andersons, maybe even a little Vinny Testaverde back in the day. Like he has, he had some some time. Kozar and Cypher before me, so I can't speak to them. But in my watching lifetime, he's the best quarterback they've ever had. So I, yep. I'm very I'm very interested in seeing what happens there. Yeah, so that's that's in front of us still, and we will we will talk about that when when it shows up when it fully arrives. Uh, the other thing that's in front of us is uh, what's going to happen this off season with uh, some pretty important decisions about the defensive coordinator. Um, I, I alluded to it earlier that the, the personnel on the defensive side. Cody has written an article today that's on the OBR. Go read it as soon as we're done here. Uh, load it up in your browser now. Get it queued up for when we're done. Uh, but but you, Cody, you go through and look at every every room, the defensive ends, the defensive tackles, the linebackers, and who could be back and who probably won't be. And there's a lot of names on that list that uh, that are not going to be back. And 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 so, you know, personnel wise, there's going to be some turnover. But the biggest question in my mind is, um, you know, what 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 do they do at defensive coordinator? Because I think last year. The defense underperformed the first half of the year. They turned it around in part due to an easy schedule. And Joe Woods bought himself another year. This year they've underperformed and they're not turning it around so far. There's still time that they could improve, but I think the Browns have a very difficult uh, decision to make here in terms of letting Joe Woods go and, and, and trying to find somebody that can get more out of less because I think that the the one thing that you you can say now about the way that this team is constructed, they know this now. They didn't know this when when Joe Woods was hired. They're going to be very much an offense first team because they have committed an immense amount of money to the quarterback. So that the, whoever the defensive coordinator is next needs to be able to do quite a bit with not too much in terms of resources. Yeah, absolutely. I th- they're going with the formula. Let's just score more points to the other team and, and try and try to give up to not give up the explosives on the defense. And I think it was kind of Woods' philosophy is we're going to play this soft zone and keep everybody in front of us and make tackles and not give up explosives. But does it work? It hasn't worked, and I, I, there's a multitude of reasons why 
personnel scheme effort across the board. But I think it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be back next season. In my eyes, I, I'm assuming that's probably how the front office is leaning, not to put words in AB or D Podesta's mind or even Haslam as well. Uh, but I, I just don't think it, it's, it's going to happen. He seemed like a very likable guy in interviews and everything. He's going to get other opportunities. I have no doubt about that as well. But I don't think they can come back with him again with how far this defense is underachieved, even with the interior defender room. If you go beyond that earlier on the season, you just saw how bad the communication was on the backside, how bad the coverage was on the backside. And these are good football players back there that are just making terrible mistakes over and over and over again. Mm. And that always comes back to the coordinator first and then the coach. Uh, so I, I don't see a way that he comes back. And, and there's other guys out there that you hope would bring in some more aggressive uh, play calling and scheme on the defense and some guys that have done it at a pretty high level out there um, that are available. Guys like Mike Zimmer, I think he's like a consultant for Jackson State or something right now. Mm-hmm. A sure. guy that's been an incredibly t- talented defensive coordinator, and he was at, successful as a head coach too. Um, guy that's been around for a long time to come in and make a difference on this defense, for sure. Right? You, you tend to think with the way that these players speak in press conferences and stuff, that you seem like they kind of know and they kind of feel the same way with the way things have gone, that they're disappointed how they're being used. They're disappointed with the performance, and they, but they want to see a different guy come in and see what they can do under him as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, to me, it kind of reminds me of the Austin Hooper situation from last year. We all kind of thought, you know, through the middle of the season into the end of the season, oh, well, it looks like he's just really not living up to his potential. But it still didn't feel for sure until it happened, you know, until the day that they released Austin Hooper, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that he was going to actually get shown the door. And so, you know, there's a little bit of that here where, uh, you know, I, because I thought that there was a pretty good case to fire him last off season, uh, same with Mike Prefer and they didn't do it. And so there's a little bit of that in my head of, I, I want to see it before I believe it here. And, and I think that there's certainly cause there's certainly plenty of reason to do it, but I'm, I'm just not, fully there in terms of um, that it happens. But I do want to, I do want to call out Paul Spencer again in, in chat asking a a defensive coordinator who could do well with the team that he's inheriting. You mentioned Mike Zimmer. I think that's a great name to consider, uh, you know, especially considering his uh, sort of experience as a head coach, something that I think would be very valuable to Kevin Stefanski. And of course, Kevin Stefanski worked for Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. So they have a, a, a great degree of familiarity. That's a name that for sure would be on, on the top of my mind. The other one is Vic Fangio, you know, uh, coach of Denver for a few years, did not do in Denver what we thought that, uh, you know, he might be able to do as a head coach, but is a, is a very talented defensive coordinator and, and really kind of has birthed uh, or, or shepherded a lot of young defensive coordinators into the league over the past few years that have, that have learned in his system. So uh, any other names to you that, that have kind of jumped out early on in the process that might be the next guy for the Browns. I kind of like Eric Washington from the bills. He's a senior, uh, he's a senior defensive assistant and the defensive line coach. He's only been a coordinator once with, it was with the Panthers in 2018 and 19, but he's been in pretty much a D line coach and defensive assistant across his career. Uh, I think he'd be an interesting guy to bring in. Uh, somebody's working with guys like Vaughn Miller right now mm-hmm. and guys like that. See what he could do with miles and whoever the yep. other edge is going forward. Uh, his name that sticks out to me. Uh, another one, it depends on what happens uh, with other 
coaching staffs, like what happens with, with the Chargers, like it got Ronaldo Hill there it, mm-hmm. is a pretty good guy. Then you have uh, Denver's if it's a coordinator of Vero, if they clean mm-hmm. house with, with the yeah. Fatal Hackett, they he's have at the top of the list. He's the number one. They them yeah, and the Broncos the and the Patriots have the two best defenses in football right now. Right. Um, so you think you bring him in, uh, should they clean house, which I think it's kind of trending that way. Um, but we'll see. There's definitely yeah. guys out there. And there's yeah. guys that are going to be hungry for that position. Guys that are these defensive assistants, secondary yep. coaches that maybe they haven't got a shot yet, or they've got a shot before and maybe it's an interim or just didn't work out. Um, so I definitely think there's guys out there that could do it. Brian Flores, another name mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Um, so Terrell Austin was a guy I really liked mm-hmm. um, this offseason. He ended up with, with the Steelers as their DC. Uh, Flores is on that staff as well, I think, still. Yeah, he's still on that yeah, staff as well. Yes, yep. Uh, so there's, there's guys out there. It's a job that yeah. could be filled with somebody that's worthwhile the position without a doubt in my right. mind. Yeah. Now, I think one of the interesting questions is, do they go with somebody young and up and coming um, that, that hasn't really proven it yet? Or do they go to the sort of head coach that was also a defensive minded, you know, Zimmer, Fangio, that area. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's yeah. the question is, you know, which way do they lean? Um, and I can see arguments for both, frankly, because I think that one thing that, that seems clear this year is that we are in a transitional period in the NFL where different sorts of defensive schemes are, are becoming successful in ways that they haven't been in the past. But at the same time, the specific uh, limitations of the Browns in terms of Kevin Stefanski really needs somebody to kind of run the defense and be sort of self-contained um, so that he can focus on being the offensive wizard that he is. So there's almost competing priorities there. And, and you certainly, you don't want to get this wrong, right? Because a bad defensive performance next year could really submarine what should be on paper, uh, not just a playoff season for the Browns, but, but I mean, it's hard to overstate what, what the expectations will be for the Browns going into 2023. Yeah. And I think the, the point you were kind of getting to is that if he brings in a DC that doesn't perform well now, it's reflecting bad on him. So you're yep. looking at a head coach that might be going out of the guy that just won NFL coach of the year two years ago. You know, and you don't want to go down that path. I, I think his, I mean, again, we're, we're speaking speculative, 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 speculatory. Yeah. Word? We're speculating. We're speculating. Yeah. We're, we're a couple of speculating dudes here. Yeah. Uh, but we're <laughs> Speculating that I, I assume that's what he thought he had in Joe Woods. It's okay. I got the offense. Mm. I can design this offense. I'm going to call the plays. You have the defense along with your assistants. To, to do and it's the fancy with Van, Van Pelt and Callahan. But on the defense, right. you have this, you have Jeff Howard, you have these guys with the crew. You got the defense, you call the defense, you create the defense, you design the defense. Uh, and I just don't think it worked out. I'm assuming he's probably involved at this point in trying to get this issue, issue fixed. Uh, but yeah, and somebody made a comment uh, that he might not bring in a former head coach that might threaten him. I don't think mm-hmm. so. I don't think that's the case. I think he's pretty comfortable in his own skin. I think he's pretty comfortable in the job he does and what he will be doing as a head coach going forward. So I don't think a guy like Zimmer um, would deter him at all. That's my yeah. opinion. Or a guy like Todd Bowles if something happens in Tampa. But right. uh, that's that's just my thought that I agree with you and that he would obviously be involved in defense, but you want to bring somebody in. Then you'd be like, here, man, this is yours. You know what you're doing. Take this defense and turn it into what we think it could be with our personnel, with the guys we've added via the yeah. draft and free agency and trade, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Those two comments that I put on the screen, Warpath saying that uh, Stefanski might be uh, threatened by a former head coach. 
and Gillen saying that you can't have any learning on the job for a defensive coordinator. This, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Those are, those two are absolutely, absolutely, you know, diametrically opposed. And that's the decision that the Browns face this offseason. And as I said, they have to get it right because the expectations uh, for the team overall, certainly for the offense are going to be very high going into 2023 and they cannot afford uh, another defensive no-show next year. So it, it has to be right. So maybe that pushes them towards more of a conservative option. Uh, you know, a, a guy like Mike Zimmer, you know what the floor is. You know, he might not be the number one defense, but he's sure as hell not going to be as bad as this Browns team has been this year. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch. Too. Go ahead. Uh, when we're talking about guys that don't have prior experience, like Mike McDaniel, right, with the Dolphins. Yeah, Granted, exactly. he inherited an incredible exactly. roster. He's coming in and he's crushing it. And he has a first-time defensive coordinator as his DC right now on Josh Boyer. Right. He did it at the college level. I see South Dakota's School of Mines, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> That's where he served his defensive, defensive powerhouse. Yeah. But uh, it's like he hasn't done it at the NFL level yet. And, the, right. and he's doing he's doing all right. You know, he's doing okay there. So I think – it's tough. It's tough when you have a team that's ready yep. to win now and all of our yep. eyes, they have the roster to win now, but you want to bring in a guy, but you can't overshoot those young guys as well. I think that's the same in, in, in business world as well. You have these young right. guys with these ideas that are, that have come up in a different way, learn right. defense a different way, learned in the new modern way of defense uh, mm. and not to discount the older guys either, but I think you got to balance that out and just find the guy I think that meshes with you and what your long-term vision is of the team. And you hope that guys like A.B. and Stefanski could do that. Yeah, you. I, I expect it, frankly. I mean, you hope it, but but really, if they are as good as we think they are, they, they will get this right. You know, they got it wrong. They will learn from what they did wrong and get it right. And if they don't, then as you said before, it very much reflects poorly on them to, to miss on this twice. Yeah. So, um, uh I do, I do want to just mention this because uh, I know Ian put together a graphic for it and I don't want to skip over it. Let's talk about the injury report uh, for this week um, because it is absolutely uh, part of the story of this week is that the Browns are getting healthier. Um, you know, it might not look at it like it because there's a bunch of names on this list, uh, but you will notice that David Njoku returned to practice today. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromona is a full participant in practice today. Pardon me. Wyatt Teller, also a full participant in practice. So the the players that matter are getting back on the field for the Browns. Uh, you know, you see there that uh, DeAnthony Bell missed and Michael Dunn missed and Perry and Winfrey missed and, and Jack Conklin had kind of a rest day slash a little bit of a foot thing. But as far as difference makers on the team, they're almost back to, I'm, I'm knocking on wood here, they're almost back to full strength. So, um, you know, we've talked already that we don't expect much uh, from the Browns on Sunday, given their opponent, but certainly having David Njoku back gives them a much better chance. He has been missed the last few weeks. Dude, I feel bad for him, man. Like, I have a feel like a couple off seasons in a row. Like, this is he's gonna have that breakout. This is it. You know, he's coming up. He has everything you want in a in a in a tight end. And this year, it's happening. And then he goes and he gets hurt with that ankle. Um, so you you hope he's back to full strength. I mean, I should say. NFL full strength. Nobody's full right. strength doesn't happen. Uh, right. But him getting getting him back to that offense, pivotal. Getting JOK back, it's yep. pivotal. Pivotal. Wyatt Teller back in the trenches after they just got destroyed and humiliated yep. in the trenches last week. Uh, Coughlin coming back healthy. So I, I was just thinking when you were talking, not that I wasn't listening by any means. No, that's I was fine. Thinking. That's fine. I, I tend to go on and on. 
<laughs> no, I was thinking, have they been healthy for a game outside of Carolina this year? No. Uh, and I, easy, I, That's an easy no. I think they were pretty healthy yeah. in week two and week three. But I know after the Steelers game, especially, they were beat the hell up. Yeah, I'm not making excuses any means. They should have won no, a bunch of games no, no, no. to this, yeah. to the, to this yeah. same. But I'm thinking getting back to healthy with everybody on the roster, mm-hmm. for the most part, it, it's huge. And, yeah. and you yeah. say that for many of teams to have almost starters. Uh, uh, so that's it's definitely a, it's a bump when your other starters and you're looking out and you see those guys, you're like, okay, JOK's back. That gives me a little mm-hmm. bit more comfort, comfortable at linebacker. For set season joke is I got my guy, I got my guy I'm comfortable with on third down to give him the ball or get to push the down ball down the seams or yep. whatever it is. So I don't think you can understate that their importance at all um, yep. coming into this week, regardless of your opponent. You still want those guys back. That's right. Well, and and we talked about you know they're underdogs this week, pretty heavy underdogs. They'll be under underdogs next week, I would guess, with the Buccaneers or it'll be close to a pick. Um, so they need everybody to try and win one of these games because. You know, I think that I, I, you know, there's been a little reporting this week that sounds like the Browns think that if they can win one of the next two, they're still in it. And I think that's probably true, you know, uh, and so that's the goal, right? The goal is to get one over the next two. And if they can do that, then when Watson comes back, it's not completely meaningless. Three and eight, and you can, you can pack up the truck and head home for the winter, but um, that's that's their goal. That's their goal. (laughs) So I just, I want to shout out Philly here because uh, yeah, you could throw Joe Woods on the injury report as well. Uh, with a, with a head injury uh, for playing so much cover three, um, you know I, I don't like to be mean to guys, but he just hasn't been what we thought he was going to be, and it's very disappointing. Um, well, we've talked about everything there is to talk about, which means that there's only one thing left to do until the end of the show, and that's play a little buying and selling. Uh, so everybody in the comments, everybody's yep, favorite. Everybody, <laughs> yep, everybody get wild in the comments. Of course, weigh in if you are buying or selling uh, what I am pitching uh and uh we have uh, a few good categories today not as many because it it does kind of feel like the browns are going to lose this game it's hard to muster an optimistic case for how they're going to win um but we'll start here uh the game is now being played in a dome in ford field uh and there's a few different angles to this we can talk about maybe there's going to be more browns fans um you know the the weather is not a factor anymore uh but and so this might feel obvious but take your time and think about it Here's my statement. The Browns, uh, I'm sorry, the game being played in a dome helps the Bills more than the Browns, buying or selling? Buying. Uh, I I think absolutely buying. If we're doing a comparison to playing in the snow, absolutely, because you have that Mm -hmm. passing attack that's so strong with Allen and with Diggs and with Gabe Davis and and, and Dawson Knox and that whole crew uh, Mm -hmm. on that offense. uh, I think it's definitely a buy that the Bills, with that offense and that explosive nature, playing inside in a dome, uh, not impacted by any type of weather uh, is definitely a benefit towards them. And the Browns have an explosive offense too. But I think it more benefits the Bills than the Browns. Yeah, I think the only the only thing here is if there is some sort of shift from the crowd being a rabid Buffalo home crowd to a 50-50 split, that could help a little bit. If the if the Bills have to go silent count at times, that could that could sway things a little bit, especially with Miles Garrett. But but generally speaking, I agree with you that the the you know, not having to worry about field conditions favors the team with the explosive offense, and that's the Bills, unfortunately for us. Okay, uh, number two, the next item for sale. This is big picture. We're going big picture, moving away from the Bills game to the whole season. The Browns will finish above 500. Selling. Uh, I think 
it seems to me like around an eight nine, I think feels about right at this point. Uh, even if you get to four and seven, I think you go to four and two at the best over those last six. So yeah, I'll sell that they get to uh, finish above 500 for this season for sure. Wow, that is a fire sale. It is. This is this is the scene from Trading Places where they realize the orange <laughs> juice is worthless and everybody's in the pit selling. Because I literally, it just wow that the the price the the ticker on that went red. Oh, Philly's gonna buy. Oh, gee, Philly coming through. Philly's gonna. He's yeah. And and you know what? I agree. I agree. I think the Browns find a way to get above five hundred because I think. Like one of the reasons I'm so excited to see Deshaun Watson is I think that it's going to solve a lot that's wrong with this team. And uh, if I'm wrong, it'll be very disappointing, but that's where I'm at right now. And so I think they could go five and one down the stretch, um, which, you know, so even sneak, if one they... of these and sneak one yeah. of these and go five and one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And that's, that's, that's Philly and I are on the same page, but yeah, you're right. They'd have to, they'd have to sneak one of these to, to have a chance to, to finish up a five. It's a boy. They're in a tough spot. Uh, don't like thinking about it. Um, uh okay one more or no a few more um uh we've got uh, the the line on josh allen for this game uh 400 yards passing uh is he uh, let's say well yeah does he does he hit 400 buying or selling I'm gonna sell it he's done it twice yep. this year he did it week three against miami and week five against pittsburgh seems like a lot to me I, i'm gonna sell yep. it because i think they'll be able to run the ball so i don't right. think he's gonna have to throw the ball uh, let's see what what's he, what's he typically do. Let's say he's thrown it 341 times this year. Let's call it a, somewhere in the 30s is what he's averaging per game. Yeah, I'll, I'll sell because I think they'll be able to find enough success on the ground that he's not going to have to throw for 40 yards for him to win the game. Yep, to run for fun. <laughs> right. That's pretty much with the comments. They agree. They agree yeah. with you that it's that is it is a uh, it's not going to be necessary. I I think as much as it's about the running game. Uh, as, as much as it's about the running game getting fired up for the Bills, it's also going to be. I don't. I mean, it's. It's. I think it's going to follow the recipe of this Miami game where the Bills get a lead and then, you know, Jacoby Brissett's just not outfitted to play catch up, and so Allen won't have to throw the ball because they'll have a they'll have a cushion, you know, and then they yeah. can they can just run their their offense. So uh, Paul's selling one. He's got he's got one. Allen runs for a hundred and he's buying Ooh. that, which is uh, I, he's awfully hurt to be running for a hundred yards, but. Uh, yeah, people people do not like the Browns' run defense after that uh, after that no show in Miami, and I do not blame them. Um, on the other side of the ball, we haven't talked really much about the matchup, and you know I'm not going to like try and fix that now. Uh, but I do think Jacoby Brissett could be in for a rough game because of the way that the Bills play defense. So Jacoby Brissett, uh, does he have uh, over? Let's well, I, I wrote two, but let's say over one and a half interceptions. Oh, over one. I like that. I'm going to say no. I, I okay. know he has he has the fifth highest turnover-worthy throw rate in the mm-hmm. NFL this year. So he's had some luck in there that he's only thrown five interceptions, hasn't thrown one in three games, but he's only thrown two once this year, and that was in um, week six against New England. So I, I think he'll throw one, but I, I don't think it'll be two. And, and uh, praying to whatever Lord you believe in, um, you hope one's not in the red zone. So, and you hope right. it's not too, so they can at least stay remotely close in the game. Yeah, a lot of what lot of people think? selling selling that. So, I, I I tend to think that this is going to be one of his rougher games because, again, I think they're going to put him in a position 
Yeah, I, I'm with Red Leader. He, he makes mistakes when behind, and I think the Bills are going to put them in, in, in a difficult spot off the top by basically getting whatever they want on the defense. And so they're going to be playing catch-up, and, and I think that they look really bad when they're trying to play catch-up with Brissett as quarterback. So uh, I hope I'm not right, but that's what I feel at this point. Um, okay, so uh, uh, we've got uh, the final score margin being greater than 14 points, uh, Bill, a Bills win specifically. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll sell that. I think it'll be about the 10 to 12 mark. I think it'll be slightly over uh, that current line. Uh, I'll say 10 to 12. Uh, the Browns are able to keep it close for the most part of the game, but that's, I don't think it's unreasonable, but I'm going to sell it just a little bit. Not a hard sell. It's a soft sell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've, yeah. We've got a special one from Warpath here. Uh, I've never been in a more desolate downtown than Detroit, and I will buy that because that is absolutely true. Um, I've never there's been. No, there's no question about that. Red Leader's buying it. It is. It's rough there. Um, we've got some people believing that the Browns might be able to keep it close. Um, Evan Joseph is uh, calling for a Browns victory, which uh, okay, man. I mean, go I for, like go it. for it. Uh, all right. So um, we have one more, and this is again we're going to zoom out to finish the show. Um, and, and, you know, the Browns have three coordinators. They've got Alex Van Pelt, they've got Joe Woods, they've got Mike Prefer. Uh, one of those coordinators will be fired before the end of the season, buying or selling. Sell that too. Okay. I, I think, think they all I hang th- out. I think they stick with them through the rest of the season. I mean, if they weren't going to do it at this point, there's nothing yep. that tells me that, that they would have done it now. We're in week 11. Week 11? We're in week 11. Yeah, I, sure. I don't think – I don't think – they would have already done it, I believe, if they were going to do it. So I think they stay pat with Prefer and with Woods the rest of the way, and then they readjust, readdress uh, this offseason. The only thing I will say is that it, it would it would weirdly be an accomplishment if they didn't because it would point to the fact that the owner is not doing anything impulsive. I still think – that there's a chance that either this week or next week they get absolutely pantsed by one of these teams uh, to a greater degree even than what happened in Miami, uh, like a true, like a 35-3 type situation. Uh, and that I think then at that point somebody's got to go. So You think back-to-back pants scenes is the – that's the line? Yeah, I, I mean, like the Bills are really friggin' good. And mm-hmm. – uh, you know, and they, they got embarrassed last week. So, to me, it's like if they give up 40 to the Bills and don't score much, don't you kind of have to fire somebody just to send a message? But, of course, we I mean, thought that last week, and we thought that back in the beginning of the season. But, you know, I think at this point they're getting closer to things not really mattering. It's like, you know, if you think Woods is gone at the end of the season, what's, diff- what's the difference between firing him now and firing him in January? I get it. I get it. I, th- I think we were all started. It was like New England. It was like – yeah, I mean this is yeah. this is getting close to that kind of territory right now with the way right. this thing's going. Uh, I mean, I could see it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I could see it. I should say that. Yeah, yeah. Great point by Evan Joseph. They don't even cut players, and that kind of you know to go back to what we talked about at the top of the show. That's my that's my big beef with this this uh, front office is that they're 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 holding steady even when the ship is uh, falling apart underneath them. It's a it's a real going down with the ship mentality, and it doesn't seem justified all the time. So. Uh, thank you, uh, everybody, for joining us. Uh, this is a little bit more of a loosey-goosey preview because, uh, uh, you know, I think we feel pretty uh, not optimistic about the Browns uh, on Sunday. I've got them 
I would say that they're probably going to lose by like 20. That's how it feels to me. Um, somewhere in the neighborhood of like, yeah, like a 35, 14, 35, 13, something like that. What do you have, Cody? Uh, I'm going to stick with that 12 point deficit. So that's, let's put it to uh, 30, let's say 30 to 8, 33, 21. Okay. All right. So, so you like the Browns moving the ball against this defense a little bit, right on? A little bit. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. it'll, it'll be more of a, a, a blowout type thing and they get some points there and then the middle yep. of the late fourth, to kind of makes it a little bit closer than it actually was. Yeah. We've got a uh, late breaking buy or sell here from uh, Mr. Funkerlot and we've got to do it. Because Ooh. Of the name. I love this. I love this question. I, I am buying that he is here next season because I think that they don't have the juice to replace everybody they need to replace. So I think he's back. What do you think, Cody? I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I'm going to sell it. I I understand if you get a different DC in here yep. and, and use him more to his strengths, but I'll, I'll sell it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the answer is that the, whoever they hire as defensive coordinator is going to say, no, that's a good player. Joe Woods was, was using him wrong, and that's a good player that we need to use in the right spot. And then all of a sudden next year, not to say he's going to be a world beater, but he's going to be a better player next year. So I'm, I'm optimistic that he's going to be back. Uh, we've got OG Philly predicting the bills winning. Oh, he's got the closer than people think he's going to do a little Lee Corso for us there. Yeah. Uh, uh, red leader 53 to 13 Browns. So he's a Browns fan. That's, that's clear. Uh, Warpath 38, 10. I'm assuming the bills are winning there. Oh yeah. He says bills right there. So uh, Evan Joseph's got the Browns winning 24, 17. Um, I like uh, the confidence else? of Evan Joseph. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, the, it it would be very much in keeping with this this season for the Bills to go out and lay an egg in Detroit and the Browns to win and kind of resurrect their season, and only to get pantsed by the Buccaneers next week. But uh, we'll take <laughs> it one week at a time. Uh, we're looking forward to the Bills game on Sunday. We will be back on Sunday with the pregame show from noon. Um, and I, I should also say next Thursday, of course, will be Thanksgiving. So uh, I, I don't expect to be on here with you, Cody, next week. I don't think either of us want that. I don't think many of our fans want that. So uh, we'll take next week off and be back in two weeks uh, previewing Deshaun Watson's first game with the Browns. So um, until Sunday, uh, thank you for joining us. Join us Sunday uh, for the pregame at noon. And uh, like I said, we'll be back with weekend kickoff in two weeks after the Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you so much to all of you for joining us. We had a great time hanging out with you, and we will be back soon. Until then, go Browns. Go Browns. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.